up, homies? Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I'm Erica. I'm Roshane J. And this is us. Just kidding. This is <laughs> Homies of Horror. That was good. That was really but, good. <laughs> but we're talking about the movie Us today, which I'm honestly thinking about it like while when we decided to do this movie this week i'm surprised that we didn't do this movie as our first yeah because if you guys didn't know our like cover art for our podcast is inspired like we based it off of the cover photo for the movie us Mm -hmm. and like that's that was kind of like the base of a lot for our podcast so i was like why did we wait so long you know what i honestly think i think in our intro episode we just got so caught up with like freddy krueger and all the stuff that we like about horror movies that we just got distracted and started doing other stuff yeah (laughs) like i think we just got a little overexcited about how many movies we liked and it kind of just slipped our minds but it's here we're here now Oh yeah, we d- we got there. We did it. So we get a participation award. We didn't get first place, but eventually we got there. And isn't that really all that matters? You know, the truth of the matter is, is we just wanted to kind of reel everybody in first before we dropped the hot bomb that was the Us episode. That's that's what's really going down here. Is we want we wanted you guys to get just a little taste first before we get into like the true meat and potatoes of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so prepare yourself for some heat, guys. Some hot get a, fire. Get some marshmallows out. Get ready to make some s'mores. Because <laughs> we got a hot boy for you today. <laughs> we got a lot to say about this one. At least I have a lot to say about this one. Oh. I hope you feel the same. Oh, of course. This is this is one of those, like, you have to sit down and talk about these kind of movies, which is one of the reasons I absolutely love Jordan Peele's work so far is like every one of his productions is something that like you have to sit with otherwise you don't fully get the full grasp of it and I realize I I realize that a lot rewatching that movie is there's just so much depth that he adds to his stuff that I I don't I don't think it's actually possible to just catch everything on the first time through there's just no way yeah there's not it because it's one of those things where you think because I, I felt the same way about Get Out as well, mm-hmm. where there are a lot of times where I thought I knew exactly what was going to happen because I would see something and I'd be like, <laughs> look at the big brain on Erica. I figured <laughs> it out. I already know what the ending is, guys. Mm-hmm. And then it would be something completely different. I was like, oh, all right. Well, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe I totally misread things. But then you get this whole other side. It it's like when you when you finally know what happens and you get to go back and rewatch it again. Yeah. You pick up on all these other things and you're like, "Okay. Yeah. I am smart. <laughs> I am putting this puzzle together. I just had the wrong pieces the first time that I watched it. That's all." Oh, totally. Yeah, I love movies that you have to watch more than one time. Like those are those are my favorite movies. The ones where you just have to get a second playthrough to really get everything. And mm-hmm. cuz like this is this is your second time watching it too, right? Like this is my second time watching the movie. Yes, this was my second time. I watched it I mean, I missed it. Like when it when it first came out, I I kind of missed the boat 
I didn't go see it in theaters. I didn't see it for a while after it first came out, actually. Oh, okay. And then I think I, uh, I think maybe I watched it like six months or so after it came out because, like, so many people were talking about it when it first came out. I felt like I was missing out on something, but then I kind of just forgot about it. But then I was like, I have to see this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I doing? So I finally saw it. But then since then, I haven't, I haven't gone back and like really taking the time to watch it through again mm-hmm. which is weird because i i do like this movie a lot and it's a fun watch like it's it's a movie that i enjoyed re-watching the second time and it's still entertaining to me so i don't know why i never went back to rewatch it but yeah i i felt kind of the same way it's like even watching it a second time i was like i could watch this again like pretty easy mm-hmm. like it was a very it's a very easy watch for me and I saw it in theaters, I think, a couple weeks after it came out. Like, not in the initial rush of people, but pretty early on, I still got to see the movie. And I remember during the time hearing a lot of conflicting opinions about the movie, myself included. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, naturally, after, you know, after seeing Get Out, which masterpiece in my mind, um, a lot of people had some very high expectations for this movie, right? It's like, it's hard to do Get Out and then have people not go into your next film just ultimately being like, all right, are you going to be as good as that masterpiece of a movie was? And Mm -hmm. I think I remember leaving the theater um, when I first saw it thinking that I liked the movie, but I didn't know if I liked it as much as Get Out. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people... Uh, Because I remember when this movie came out and most of the people that – like a lot of people that I asked, I was like, yeah, you know, what what did you think about it? And they were like, well – I liked Get Out more. Yeah. This just wasn't – That's pretty common to hear that. I was expecting, which, you know, it's fair. But I think if you hold this movie to its own – in its own regard and you're not comparing it to get out because I do think that they, they're not the same kind of a story. I think if you hold this movie in its own lane that you appreciate it more than if you're like, okay, in comparison to get out, how, what is this? Yeah. Because I don't think that you can really compare them because they're, they're very different to me. They have similar, like um, the comedic, it has its comedic moments like Get Out and it's still kind of um, like a commentary on an issue. Like those things are similar to me. But other than that, I wouldn't really hold them in the same category of a film. So I can understand. I get why people, you know, compare it because, you know, you're going to compare a filmmaker. You, you're, you're out of your lane right now, sir. OK, you're in someone else's territory. Um, you better check yourself before you fully wreck yourself yeah you're swerving uncontrollably right now where (laughs) did you get your license like from mrs puff's boating school because you're out of control (laughs) which i get like i get it you know you're going to when you have a director that is at that caliber because i think that jordan peele is amazing of course you're going to kind of compare you know, his movies, it happens with every director, every yeah. like Tarantino, Nolan, it doesn't matter who you are. People are always going to say like, well, I liked this movie of his better. So I understand where that comparison comes from. However, 
I think that this movie got I don't think that this movie should be judged on like, oh, it wasn't like Get Out, so I didn't like it. I can understand things about it that people don't like, but I don't think that that's a proper criticism. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I think that, one, it's kind of a testament to how good I think Jordan Peele's movies are because they – they incite that sort of thinking, like that sort of critical thinking about his movies that you want to be that critical when you think about them. You're like, is this movie good? How good is this movie? Because he, you know, set such a high standard for himself with um, Get Out. I will say that although I think I was of the the group of people who enjoyed the movie but also had to kind of compare it to Get Out – I think a second watch through changed a lot of my opinions of the movie and in a good way. I, I think second time through, I actually enjoyed this movie even more than I did the first time through. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I do remember leaving the theater wondering. I don't know why it took me so long either to rewatch it, but I, I remember thinking that of like, I need to watch this movie again to really understand how I feel about it. And how mm-hmm. I feel about the things that happen in the movie, and after watching it twice, I'm I'm all for this movie. Like I re- I really really enjoyed this movie, and I think a lot of the problems that I initially had were solved after mm-hmm. watching it a second time. Um, yeah, and and I think it's just it's just kind of the nature of the movie. It's just the movie, and with this movie too, for everybody who's watched this movie, like the twist at the end changes the movie so dramatically that honestly watching it a second time feels like you're watching a different movie because you just Uh have such a different perspective. Yes. Yes. I'm excited. That is something that I definitely wanted to, to talk about today, but um, should we boogie on down to plot town and kind of do a little, a little breakdown? Yeah, I think, I think Um, we, I think we can. Um, we will we will kind of split this specific episode into parts for like our different because not I we understand that not everybody has like seen this movie multiple times and there might be a couple listeners who haven't seen the movie yet and which there are going to be some big spoilers in this one heads up always give you guys a spoiler warning um, but we're gonna kind of frame this so that the first half we're going to talk about this from the perspective of just like seeing the movie the first time and then we'll kind of go into like the rewatch and how we feel about that just so you guys get those two different opinions um because mm-hmm. it, it, it is big it's a bit it's a big shift watching it a second time it really is it is it <laughs> yeah especially and i like i know that you said it was for you and it for me, it definitely gave me some different emotions mm-hmm. watching it than I did the first time. So um, we will throw we'll throw a time down. We'll throw like a timestamp in the description of when we start getting into spoilers. So if you guys want to have just kind of like our general thoughts on the movie before we start getting into the spoilers, then check that so you know when to stop. But otherwise, for this first bit, we'll try and be a little bit more broad with things so we don't mess it up too much for you too much too much you, you can still watch it but shall mm-hmm. shall we shall we plot it out then shall we go to yes, plot please. town please proceed 
All right. Well, today we're talking about Us from 2019. And in this movie, the film opens up with a Hands Across America advertisement, a 1986 demonstration where Americans join together to say, hey, poor people, look, we care. The movie then cuts to a family enjoying an evening at their local carnival. Dad has one too many and forgets to keep an eye on his daughter while the responsible parent is taking a tinkle. Daughter wanders around the carnival alone, gets lost in a sea of symbolism and metaphors before literally finding herself in a vision quest maze. Cue a very creepy Alice in Wonderland intro sequence and one of the dopest intro songs I've ever heard. And then fast forward to present day. The lost girl is now all grown up and has a family of her own. Yay! The Wilson family is off to have a relaxing vacation at their summer home because, you know, they're balling like that. Dad likes boats. Mom really hates beaches. And their friends, Josh and Kitty, hate each other. The vacation family fun time is ultimately interrupted, though, by a jumpsuit-wearing, scissors-branding set of late-night solicitors. Daddy Gabe tries to defend the household, and it does not go well. The family ends up meeting their doppelgang-gang-gang. Insert some exposition here. The doppelgang execute a very elaborate plan to then try and kill the family, but the family gets away and the end. Nah, I'm just kidding. That's just the first half. Uh, Cut to Josh and Kitty, still arguing several scenes later. The rich white family then gets gutted by their doppelgang to the sweet sounds of good vibrations by the Beach Boys. The rich white doppelganger family then gets wrecked by the Wilson family to the smooth sounds of Fuck the Police by NWA. News reports several doppelgang-gang-gangs across the country. And the Wilsons get a new car. Yay! Thank you, Tyler family. We quickly rip the doppelganger daughter. Wilsons head to the beach because, eh, why not? Doppelganger son plays with matches, gets burned. Normal son gets snatched away to Doppelland. And the mom, guided by love, rage, and very clear plot points, finds herself again deep within the underground facility attached to Vision Quest. Uh, well, I mean Merlin's Forest. Insert a villain monologue here. The mom's dance. One of them dies. The movie... <laughs> Then plot twists you harder than Kid Mom's braided hair. Family finds each other, drive off into the distance. We get the Hands Across America remake that we didn't know we asked for, and we roll the credits. Yes. Uh, um, I just want to, before we even get into, like, details of anything, the soundtrack of this movie, oh. Is it's so good. so good. It's so good. I would just play this music. I, I want to go to like a party and I want to be like, yo, hand me the ox and then <laughs> put in like the us soundtrack. Dancing, dancing in the middle of the floor by myself. Right. <laughs> like, this movie so single-handedly uh, reignited my love for I Got Five on it. I didn't realize I how know. much I absolutely love that song until hearing it again in this movie. It's, it's, it's so good. It's so good. I know. I wonder how many downloads and like streams that song got 
just oh, from the from the trailer coming out alone because I remember the trailer came out and I was like, dude, I love this song. I've I love this song. I, why haven't I listened to this song in so long? And I immediately went to Spotify. I was like, let me just add this to my. Yeah. <laughs> I've, my added that. List. I've added that. I've added this on to all my playlists. Like when they're in the car, just jamming. I was vibing. I got five oh, on it. Oh I'm my like, god, it's so good, man. So good. It's, a class- like- it's a classic. It is a classic. Not to mention the classical version that we get in this. Yeah, the so remix of it. As well, so good. It's that so good. that is a tribute to the soundtrack. It, that's one of the things that definitely stands out about this movie. Is like the musical notes in this are so good. Mm-hmm. They are so good, and like. I just every time I hear that song now, like anytime it comes on and it starts, I just feel like, especially if I'm driving in the car and it starts playing, I just instantly feel like I'm Lupita. Like mm-hmm. I just like transform into character, <laughs> and I'm just, like driving down the road listening to this song, like feeling like I'm battling for my life. Right. But it's so uh, the way that they use music in this movie is like it's just it fits. And it's like its own little character in this movie. And it just makes me so much more like absorbed into whatever is happening because I love the score of it. And so Mm -hmm. I'm like, immediately, you've got my attention. Yeah. Shout out to Michael Abels for all the work they put on the soundtrack and everybody else involved in it. But man, the and that's that's a thing that I think a lot of people who aren't critically watching um, scary movies notices sound plays a huge role in this mm-hmm. genre like it is it, a, good sound can make or break a horror movie and this movie gets the sound right perfectly in in so many different ways um mm-hmm. from the you know from the addition of classics that a lot of us love especially like kind of the you could argue the demographic that would initially go see this movie. I think a lot of the music resonates with us you know, just as black people. And like the fact that they are able to incorporate that, but then give us these eerie, just very uneasy remixes of a lot of songs along with your standard kind of horror movie fanfare that you get. Um, mm-hmm. But the sound of this movie is unlike anything I feel like I've heard in a very long time. Yeah, it's very dramatic. It's like very dramatic and there's a lot of like it sounds very classical, but it's also like yeah, it has like these hip hop elements or it has these like little creepy twists to them. And I think that they they do a very good job. It but it it always fits because it's either something like I got 5 on it or fuck the police, which fits Mm -hmm. into this urban type of film like it just yeah of course those songs make sense to me being in this movie but also at the same time yeah we've got this other side which is this more kind of classical creepy like almost operatic music sometimes but they also make that make sense because we find out that um Adelaide which is the mother and the main character in this movie like she used to do ballet when she was young and it mm-hmm. it's it's music that she would dance to you know so like it makes sense to me that that music is also in the film like everything just ties together so in a nice little bow and I was like thank you for the gift Jordan <laughs> I appreciate it <laughs> it's not even my birthday wow <laughs> <laughs> but the 
this is so kind of you. How unexpected. Yeah, but it's great. But I want to know what your I want to know what your initial thoughts were when you first watched it, especially since, you know, you felt that you know, you felt a certain way about it in comparison to Get Out. I want to know mm-hmm. what you were thinking. Um, okay. So I would say the first time I watched this movie, uh, again, I did enjoy it a lot. Um, a lot of the things that popped out for me is like from a production standpoint, this movie's phenomenal. It's absolutely so good. Like we've already gushed about the music, but the cinematography in this movie is so good. So good. Mm -hmm. And like not slipping too much into spoilers, but even watching it a second time, um, and getting to kind of hone in on some of the cinematography just for me added a lot more life and flavor to this movie that I'm not sure I picked up the first time through. Um, a great example of that that really stood out to me was there's a scene when the family first goes, the Wilson family first goes to the beach and they're just walking just along the sand, like going to meet up with their friends. And the way it's shot, it's shot from like overhead and the sun is kind of shooting on them so that we see their shadows walking alongside yeah. them. And mm-hmm. that little bit of cinematography foreshadowing is so good. And it's one of those things that I think like a first time through, you don't notice that. But um, the movie is just littered with those like throughout the entire thing is it, it's like all other great horror movies where if you're if you're not fully paying attention if you're not fully woke while you're watching the movie you're missing a lot of stuff and so visually it's just candy for the eyes um and i really enjoyed the i actually really enjoyed the story and the and the pacing and the plot of this movie i like that we managed to really get into the horror the horror nature of this movie pretty quickly like mm-hmm. I it, like we we start seeing we start seeing scary stuff and we start um, getting you no know, to the nitty gritty about like an hour into the movie but it doesn't feel like it like it feels like we get just enough exposition and when when things start going they don't stop like th- this train is on is going down the tracks the moment that things start to go down and I love that like I love that there's no they don't really give you time to breathe after things get going. And that's one of the things that I really liked about it. Um, I think a lot of my issues and I say issues very loosely, cause I really don't have big problems with this movie. Um, but I think one of my biggest issues is I think it's a little, it, it's a little bit of like an opposite of get out where I feel like get out starts off kind of slow and then, um, slowly picks up in the second half and then really grabs you by the end where this movie, I feel like it starts off really well with its exposition. And then like its second half is really, really good and things pick up a lot. And then I felt like on my first time through that the ending kind of lost steam a little bit Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. as you got further and further into the movie. And, Mm -hmm. And so it left me kind of sitting there and like in knowing that I enjoyed what I just experienced, but I felt like I was missing something. And honestly, I, I kind of feel like the thing I was missing was a second watcher of the movie to let everything fully click. Um, right. Because it just it does change so much once you know the big twist at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it just it, it, it adds so many layers for you to think about while you're watching it. And it, it makes a lot of other scenes in the movie make more sense than I think they do the first time through. I think the first time you watch this movie, you kind of sit for a second in this like confused limbo after you finish the movie because like you get this big plot twist and then your brain rapid fire goes back to like think about every scene that happened before and like how it would be different if you know what you now know at the end and i think it's too much i I think it's a little too much Mm -hmm. to take in after watching everything that you just see because like you've just been through so much that having to stop and like think about it is a lot right Mm-hmm. But overall, first time through, I still think it's like a brilliant movie. Like it, it just has so many scenes, and like the scare factor of it is really good as well. Like mm-hmm. the the doppelgangers are scary. These are these, they are a frightening villain, and I like that they're a yeah. frightening villain with a very layered backstory attached to them. But what what did you think on your first listen or first watch? I should say. Um. Yeah, I don't I like I loved this movie the first time through. I I think like the the strongest points of it for me was that I liked this family. I cared about and I liked everybody in this family. Yeah. And I cared about what happened to them. I loved their dynamic. I like cared about following each character. Which isn't always the case, you know. I can have movies that I like, but maybe I'll have a couple people where it'll go to their scene, and I'm like, "Oh my god, just kill him already! Like, just mm-hmm. slash her throat and get her out of this movie." <laughs> because I'm just like, okay, I don't, I don't like everybody, but in this family, I felt like it was very realistic in the way that they all worked together and the way that they like communicated and and fought back i just i loved watching that i agree that the first of all this movie from like an actor's perspective because surprise guys i am an actress um (laughs) yes you can find my headshots i'm just kidding (laughs) um you can hire us at (laughs) yeah you can hire us in all of your movies if you'd like um, I work for Taco Bell and <laughs> like sparkling waters. That's really all I need to be paid. Um, but like the fact it just, it's the, it is such a, dr- like, I just thought it looked like so much fun Yeah, to play these characters, the regular straight and narrow characters, and then play these doppelganger characters and be totally different. That I mean, all of the acting across the board in this movie is fantastic. Even the kids, when they're playing the doppelgangers, I like the kid do- doppelgangers are very scary to me. Yeah, like, they really are, especially the daughter. Uh, yeah, I think her like, name's Umbre in the movie. Yeah, she's yeah. Oof, so the creepy. Smile that she has, but also the little the little boy who is Pluto. Mm-hmm. Pluto is the name of the Umbre and Pluto are like the doppelganger names because every doppelganger has their own name, which I thought was kind of nice. Yeah. Um, but like the way that they move and the way that they like. They don't talk. They just grunt. And like, uh, though, yeah, because the, the 
Umbre just smiles the whole time. She just has this creepy smile on her face. Pluto wears a mask most of the time, and he he's like a dog. Like yeah. the way his physicality, he's like he's just like a dog. He like runs around. He's very animalistic, and I loved that. I really liked the idea of getting into this thought where, like. Our, uh, it's a version of ourselves as the enemy. Yeah. You know, that's something that I always, I used to be like when I was younger, one of the scariest things to me in movies were things that were almost like versions of ourselves. So, like, Invasion of the Body Snatchers was really scary to me. Mm-hmm. Like, the idea that, like, people that I know in my life, like, could be overtaken and still look like themselves or like the thing like Mm -hmm. those things always freaked me out but i like this version of it where it's like you literally have this like opposite it's you like they almost lived your they lived a version of your exact life just like in a twisted way that freaked i thought that was like a really interesting idea to Mm -hmm. use as like a springboard to create these villains yeah, I really, I agree. I really liked the antagonist for this movie. I thought mm-hmm. it was such a creepy concept um, that essentially we have these shadow people that are extensions of ourselves that are, I, I, well, Red, who is Lupita's, Lupita's character's um, doppelganger, she gives us a little bit of exposition about the fact that everybody has one of these one of these tethered attached to them they're called mm-hmm. um who exist underground and basically mimic everything that we're doing on the surface however it's just a dark version of of what we're dealing with like they don't have all the glitz and glamour that we have on the surface level because like mm-hmm. for instance she talks about having the kids and like when whenever um Lupita's character would have a kid so would red However, where like Lupita's character for for her son, she had to have like a C-section, which on the surface level is this, you know, normal medical operation that happens with trained professionals there to assist you in it. Whereas Red had to just do it herself, which that that sort of duality, which is a big theme in this movie throughout the whole thing is just the duality of man is kind of like the main concept of this movie mm-hmm. i thought that the idea of what these tethered had to go through was just as frightening as they mm-hmm. were themselves yeah it's it's nuts like yeah when she's explaining that whole thing and red's got she's got a little case of bronchitis uh -hmm. she she needs a ricola she's got a little (laughs) laryngitis so her voice is a little rough then a girl had her first child a beautiful baby girl but the shadow she gave birth to a little monster hungry was born laughing Mm -hmm. um but she yeah she gives this whole speech and just the idea that you know we're up here living our lives you know whatever we're living the dream like we're we're out here just we're kicking it yeah we're we're going about life the way that that we know it and 
we have this free will, right? Like we get to make our decisions, but we have these people that are tied to us who have this, like whatever we decide, that's just what happens to them. Cause she even says, you know, and, uh, Addie, you know, she falls in love with this, with this man and, you know, they get together, but then down below red didn't have a choice. She was just yeah. with Abraham because that's what Addie did. It didn't matter if she loved him or yeah. she be with him. Like that, they're just together now. The, yeah, these are, you know, they're the, the villains, but they explain this world. That just sounds so horrible. And yeah, I think it's really good at making you, just making you oh and also i love the idea that this is happening like all over the world all to everybody yeah. it's not just like this family it's yeah. everyone's so, like what do you what do you do like you go out in the street thinking like i just got to get away from them and then you realize oh shit <laughs> literally everyone else is dealing yeah. with this like every family is getting terrorized like this is not a isolated incident this is no this is happening everywhere um Which yeah is it's so scary and it all happens so quickly, too. That's the scary thing. It, it all happens overnight. Like, that night, they all launch their attack at the same time. So it's just there's no time to really process what's happening. Because by the time we get to the next morning, like, after the first initial attack, like, the entire country is basically slaughtered for the most part. Like, mm-hmm. it seems like a lot of people get away with the plan and the family that we're watching, the Wilsons are one of the few that managed mm-hmm. to actually evade their attackers. Like most of the people just got their neck slit. Right before we talk about the twist though, I kind of wanted to just get into one of my favorite parts of the movie, which, which is the, uh, the house showdown during the initial attack. And just mm-hmm. the, the duality of what happens to the Tyler family versus what happens to the Wilson family and just the dynamic there because for one what's interesting is both scenarios right they kind of start out similarly in the idea that uh, there there are intruders on both properties right and um both patriarchs are made aware that this is a thing and they have different approaches towards this where we have Gabe goes out and tries to actually confront um, these intruders and, you know, actually listens to the family and sees like, okay, something's up versus um, where the other family um, where Josh is kind of aloof. He doesn't really, he doesn't really give a shit. Like he doesn't heed the warnings of what's about to happen. And then, Due to that, his family just gets completely slaughtered. And then we have this dynamic of which I loved Ophelia. Like the 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 trolliness of that scene was so good because for how creepy mm-hmm. this movie is, it knows how to be funny too. And mm-hmm. like I think that's just a, that's a side effect of you know Jordan Peele having such a long career in comedy, is like he understands comedy, he understands how to be funny. And he understands how to make scenarios that might not actually be funny at face value kind of humorous. So the whole idea that, like, she's trying to call the police and then Ophelia plays fuck the police. I die every time I reach that scene. because that, that, That's hilarious to me. Like, I think that's so funny. But yeah. 
but we just see, you know, we see the the Tyler family just completely get destroyed. And then the Wilson family goes in and kind of cleans up their mess. You know, like they, they really activate. Um, it's crazy how quickly this family learns to adapt to their situation and to adapt to what's happening is like none of these people strike me as killers, but as soon as they realize what's going down, everybody in the family is down to do what they got to do. And I love to see that in, you know, the protagonist family of like, these guys are, these guys are go-getters. They, they want to survive and they are actively trying to survive. Like, I even think it's kind of cute that they have that scene where they're like comparing their kill counts at some point in the movie. (laughs) highest kill count in the family you don't have the highest kill count i killed both twins wrong i just killed the second one i killed kitty so that's one 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 and two i killed two i killed myself and josh so like that scene to me was Mm -hmm. fun and so i i i love that while watching all these terrible things unfold on screen you can still kind of laugh at some stuff and i i think that's a beauty that is a part of a lot of good horror movies. I think a lot of good more horror movies have the ability to mix in a little bit of humor despite everything that's going on. I I know it won't feel this way to to some people, but like I don't know. I like these little moments with the family, yeah, where they have a quick breather in between everything that's going on. And they're still interacting like they're a family that loves each other and are just trying to get through the night. Like not everything is so because you know they still have they have these kids who are doing these crazy things. Like these kids also kill they're some of the doppelgangers. Yeah. So the it's daughter, like, yeah, the daughter kills like two or three people throughout the course yeah, of this movie. The like, like an, she's an MVP. She really, <laughs> she was really going for she it. She was definitely top frag for this, for this team. Yeah. Like she was, she was slapping people left and right. Yeah, she was, she, she was the MVP. The dad, the dad killed two people too. So yeah, Though he he, he I, I I I will say I felt like the dad had some plot armor in this movie. That that's one of the few things I was kind of critical about. Is like I'm happy the dad made it, but I'm not sure if the dad should have made it. I'm happy that he did. I'm not upset that he made so? it through the whole movie. Yeah, like I for me like all right, boat fight one. I give it to him. I think boat fight one. Uh, you know, he's the clear winner. He outsmarted his doppelganger. He was able to take him out. Easy peasy. I, I'll chalk that one up. That, that was an earned kill. When he's going up against uh, Doppel Josh in the second boat, I'm quest- I, I'm sus. I'm sus on that one that he was able to, with a busted leg, take down this big bad doppelganger in these yeah. closed quarters. Like that, that scene always got me of like the, I don't really know how he got out of that one. I'll take it, but. That's why they had to cut away. They yeah. were like, uh, let's just cut to a different. <laughs> we'll just see him go in there and let's cut to a different scene because. Because we don't know. We don't know. We don't know what they're doing there. I feel like the movie's kind of like you just kind of have to accept that he won. And I can. Mm -hmm. I can. But I'm not going to say that I didn't notice. I was like, okay, hold up. Wait a minute. Right. Yeah. He had that, um, that like crazy. Nah, he had that sweet, sweet plot armor is what he had. But it's Mm -hmm. it's all right. It's it's okay, us. I still like you. 
<laughs> don't don't get it don't don't get it twisted. I, I give you a pass for that one. Yeah, this is the one pass you're <laughs> you're allowed, and you used it on uh, dad dad fight dad <laughs> fight number two. <laughs> yeah, that dad fight two was a little close, but we're okay with it. It's it's all right. <laughs> but okay, now I do need to talk about the twist because I think that it's something I want to say about the the two families and how it you know how it happens has to do with what we find out here yeah. in the end um so basically um this is your last chance to turn back if you do not want to hear the twist uh do not say i didn't warn you mm-hmm. all right we're going in <laughs> so the the twist of the movie is at the very end you know um addie is able to find her son and they escape and then we flash back to the night that Addie when Addie was a child and she got lost in the fortune maze so yes she she sees her doppelganger in there and originally it cuts off right after they see each other but we flash back the doppelganger chokes out the actual Addie. Mm-hmm. She drags her back down into where all the other tethered live and she handcuffs her to a bed. She like switches out their clothes and she leaves Addie down there and then Red goes up and takes her place. So this entire time Red has been living in the real world and since she switched places with her Addie became the tethered mm-hmm. and so that's why now you know when red comes back her voice is all messed up but she is also the only tethered that is able to speak is because she learned how to speak because you know she lived in the real world for a while yeah but so yeah and also at the end the little boy his name is jason right jason. Is the little mm-hmm. boy jason realizes that his mom is like is probably one of the tethered or you know like used to be yeah one it's of kind the of tethered. it's kind of implied and i was really like mm-hmm. looking at that this time around to like understand that bit because like it is kind of hinted at at the end that jason knows that something's up with his mom and that this might not be his real mom um but i've always wondered how he knew like i like i wonder if um, the actual mom let him know, like she told him everything, um, which is, mm-hmm. that's kind of where my brain went and kind of where my imagination was, is that the time that she spent with him, she might, I, I don't see why she wouldn't let him know that your mom's actually the fake. Like, we don't really know what happens after she grabs him. Like, and he's relatively safe when we end up finding him anyway. So who's to say that she didn't just spill the beans and let, and let him know. See, I think that he, I think he figured it out because so when, so when Red and Addie have their final showdown, mm-hmm. he's in that, he, you know, they, they kind of fight, they do this whole like, you know, dance battle. Whole, <laughs> yeah, dance battle. <laughs> they break dance uh, and versus each other. And then who somebody drops wins. a boombox down real quick. Like Addie yeah. does like the sweetest 360 jump you've ever seen. 
Yeah, the, she, she like three sixties into the splits, and then and then red spins on her head and kicks her in the face. That would have been nuts. I would have actually if they did like, um, oh my god, what's that one? You got served. They did right. like those See, this is why or... this is why we need scary movie back as just oh. as a series because I would have loved to see the scary movie rendition of the dance battle. It would have been so good. Oh, it would have been really good. And there's like but the bunny rabbits are all hopping around <laughs> while they're like break dancing. <laughs> but um yeah, so they like do this whole battle, but eventually they end up in a room. Mm-hmm. And we come to find out that Jason is like in one of the lockers in that room. So he's in there when the fight's happening. I assume that he can see because there's like little slits in the locker. Yeah. And as Addie is killing Red, she like the the tethered, like I said, none of them can talk except for Red. And so they make these certain noises. That's like how they communicate. They like click to each other. They grunt. And as Addie is killing Red, she's like making these crazy noises. She sounds exactly like the tethered. And Mm -hmm. then she like makes these clicking noises. She's grunting. She's like killing the shit out of Red. And then she finishes killing her and she just starts laughing like an insane person. Mm -hmm. And I think that Jason, because this isn't the first time that that's happened. Jason also walked in on Addie earlier killing one of the um, the doppelgangers when they went to the other family's house. Yeah. He walked in on her killing one like of Like one them. of the twins, I think. Mm-hmm. And she kind of was doing the same thing. Like she was getting very animalistic. And she acted kind of weird when he came in. Like she didn't say anything to him. She just yeah. kind of like walked out and left. I feel like. I feel like he's not 100% sure, but I think that he knows now that something is not quite right with his mom. Like, yeah. she's just not who he thought that she was. Now, whether like he actually knows that she was a tethered or he just knows that something that she's, you know, something weird is going on with her, I'm not sure, but I think that solidified for him. He was like, oh, no. Oh, baby, no. You're not yeah. the one that I thought you were. <laughs> <laughs> I trusted you. <laughs> yeah, so it's definitely left on a note where the rest of the family thinks, which, and that's the thing about it is it's like, she is his mom. Like, yeah. They are a family. So what do you – like you have to wonder like, okay, but where does that go from here? Because the rest of the family has no idea that any of that happened. They're just happy that they're all back together. Their plan is to go to Mexico because as far as they know, this is only happening in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like what do you do with that information? Like where do you go from there? What do you – like it's still your mom, but – like, yeah, like you that. Did a bad, like you did a really bad thing. You did, you did <laughs> like, a bad, bad thing. Yeah. The well, that's the that's the cool thing that I think it's added to this movie on the second watch, though, is 
now not only do we have these questionable villains in the tethered right because like are they really villains in the fact that like they're they're they are struggling for their entire lives and they never know why like they're just experiencing this essentially torture because they start off as these experiments that get abandoned so there's no one to actually guide the experience the experiments anymore they just are existing down there they have no purpose they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. They're just, Im- they're just, uh, you know, they suffering. they have, a f- yeah, they're just suffering, and they they happen to be inclined to do things that they don't understand, but they just do right. And then here comes this character who's actually seen the outside world and can let them know that there is something more than just this place. Um, in the character that's supposed to be innocent which is really the victim character has to become Mm -hmm. the main villain because she, even though she throughout the entire movie is the bad guys, like it wasn't her fault. She was, she, she was the one who was attacked and then sent down there. Like she didn't do that to herself. Well, I guess she did do that to herself. Oh oh, man, that's going to break my brain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, on the second watch through, uh, like this story is so tragic to me because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you just have to feel like you feel so bad. I, like, it's hard for me to be on Addie's side. I yeah. want her family to because live. Because she is the bad guy. Like She is the bad guy. She's, she's living a happy life now. Yeah. But it's at the expense of the actual good guy. Right. And it's so sad to think that, you know, this little girl was thrown into this world of like, just like grotesque, like, just, you know, uh, the unknown for her. She's thrown into this world where there's these people that look like her parents, but they're not her parents. And you just eat raw rabbit for and like you're you're forced to do all of these things that you know, this other person is doing, but in these horrible manners. And yeah, and she like is just thrown into this. And it's sad too, because, you know, Red even, like when Addie comes and, you know, they, Red does her second like villain monologue. Mm -hmm. She even, she even says to her like, why couldn't you take me with you? Like, Mm -hmm. why couldn't we have just both been up there? Yeah. I never stopped. Thinking about you. How things could have been. How you could have taken me with you. Instead of you making me stay down here. And it's really sad because you're like, oh my God. Like, yeah, why couldn't you both? Just why exist. did she have to suffer? I-, I get it. You know, you wanted to be in the real world and you wanted to be free of what you were, but why did she have to suffer for you to get that? And, and yeah. And red also says, you know, and to think none of this would have happened if you would have never learned how to dance because through like when, when Addie come, like when the new Addie is there, she doesn't know how to talk. She, 
you know, she's never learned these things. So her parents just think that she's like traumatized. Mm -hmm. They put her into dance classes to try and get her to come out of her shell. As a result of doing these dance classes, Red also does this like twisted dance down below and and she says that it made her see God and she kind of be- became the Messiah for all of the tethered people. Yeah. And so through that, Red was able to convince all of them that they needed to rise up and take over. So it's yeah. like there's all these connections and these things that everything happened because of of Addie. Like yeah. all of these things that she's done has forced all of these horrible things to happen. Everybody like – but then at the same time, the government is kind of the real villain because they're yeah. the one that created the tethered. Yeah. Which, like, why did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> like, like I, this... they did it to control people, but why did you do that? Yeah. Why? Why? Why do these guys exist in the first place? Like, America, what you doing? And like, I. Yeah. So, uh, a couple of things. Like the first one being um, the whole idea of communication in this movie, right? Because I've had. And I've seen so many debates online. I've talked with a couple of people about the whole idea of like, well, why didn't um, why didn't the original Addie just say something, or like, why like why is her voice like that? Essentially, like why she got this raspy voice, right? For me, watching the movie, I, I was a little literal in my translation of it. Of when she was attacked by the doppelganger Addie, that the way she got choked kind of crushed her mm-hmm. vocal cords or whatnot, or like her windpipe so that I she was the same thing. Yeah. So like she physically couldn't talk. Right. That, that was my, that was where my brain went with it. Um, but even if she could have, right. Like even if she could communicate and speak, like you said, everyone else down there has never heard language before. Um, they, mm-hmm. they, they don't speak English down there. Like outside of, Addie's imposter, none of them even realize that there's a world above ground. Like, all they know is down there. And mm-hmm. on the second time through, I kind of realized that with her whole monologue of saying, like, the dance is what started it all, It if you look throughout the movie at how the, how the doppelgangers operate, it's very choreographed. Every move mm-hmm. seems very purposeful even with like the tyler family's doppelgangers like we we get images of the twins like doing cartwheels and dancing very like cirque de soleil like very like circus like like everybody moves and kind of like a dance which led me to think that her learning to dance was her way of actually being able to communicate and coordinate all of the doppelgangers to do this mass plan because like Mm -hmm. she had to orchestrate this over years and they outside of grunts and like yells they don't really have a way to communicate however for a lot of people dance is a form of communication and choreography is a form of communication so it led me to believe that a lot of their planning and a lot of the way they move and operate is based on dance and that's why it made such a big deal when she danced for everybody because all, all of a sudden, all of these doppelgangers were like, I understand that. Right. I don't, I, I don't yeah. speak that language, but I understand the idea of what I'm seeing right now. Like it gave them something to use as communication. Yeah, because they all move in a very jerky, shaky way. They're like very twitchy. It's like almost like they can't ever stand still. And mm-hmm. even when like – you see, because Red is very much in command and in control in her family. Yeah. Specifically, like, 
anytime she's talking to our like the Wilsons, she speaks. But anytime she is like telling her family to go do something, she either clicks at them or she moves her hand. She never tells them like she never is specifically talking to them. Yeah. She'll like she'll click at her son and then she'll say to the like the actual little boy, she'll say, Time to go play. But yeah. she's never talking to them. Like she only communicates in the way that they communicate when she's trying to tell them to go do something. But also, what is she supposed to say to the tethered? Like, uh, hey, sorry guys, um, I'm not supposed to be here. Could you help me get back? Like, what the fuck is she supposed to say to them? They don't care. They don't even know, like, like they were going to be like, oh, shoot, man, you're right. Like, just go ahead, go back up the escalator and you can find <laughs> your, your family. Like, they weren't going to do it. It didn't matter if she said anything to them or not. They are not going to help her. They don't know what's going on there. And also, I truly believe that as soon as she was down there and Addie went up, like, I don't think that, like, she wasn't in control anymore. Yeah. Like, she was, her whole life was basically whatever Addie wanted it to be. Yeah. So, I don't think that. There's something you know, about it that. It meant something. Yeah, there's something about that transportation in between worlds that seems like it changes the rules for you as a person. Like, even mm-hmm. if you get flip-flop with your tethered. Because even the scene when she's younger and just kind of going through the carnival by herself i i think that that's not her because we when we get the reveal towards the end we get the duality of what's happening with doppelganger addy and what's happening with actual addy and doppelganger addy is the one that's kind of meandering through the tunnels of where she lives and ultimately finds the exit to this place and i think because in in the real world or above world whatever you want to call it like she just kind of wanders off right there's no like real rhyme or reason to like why she's wandering off she just kind of goes and i feel like that was because there was a shift in now that for that moment the tethered person was in control and was guiding her to that meeting Mm -hmm. yeah because yeah they both wander to this specific point which is able to lead you know Addie up and then send send them into the same location and we never see anything else like that happening with any of the tethered it's you know specifically with them yeah and I love that like I love that whole sequence of watching watching her walk through the carnival and then watching she's like the tethered looking, carnival down there. Yes, or, and yeah. she's looking at all of these people and what they're doing. And, you know, we look over and there's a couple like eating french fries and sharing their food. And then we go down to where the tethered are and they're just like eating rab like raw rabbit and like shoving yeah. into oh, each other's faces. So gross. It's, yeah, or like the the people that are on the tilt-a-whirl, like down below, they're just like walking around in a circle spinning around. And it's like so it's just so eerie. But mm. and also too, she's got she's got this big old candy apple. Yeah. Candy apples are so like the worst. Just <laughs> the worst carnival food. They're so crunchy. Apples on a stick are hard to bite into anyway. And mm-hmm. then you're gonna put a big old red shell around it. Yeah. Just break out all your teeth. It's like, like disrespectful. 
It's so sweet and disrespectful. Yeah, she has a ju- and she drops it in the sand where it belongs. I was like, <laughs> yep, <laughs> that that's the truth right there. <laughs> Something's telling me um, Erica has a thing against candy apples. I don't know if I'm just you know jumping the gun on that, but no, you're st- correct. I do, <laughs> I do have a thing against candy apples. I, I that is that's a correct statement. Okay, okay, all right. Well. We got the reveal out of the way. We're, we're in here now. I think we should get into the part that a lot of listeners are probably like being like, all right, guys, get to this part is the symbolism in this movie and all the mm-hmm. little like stuff that you can notice throughout the movie and like what that stuff means and just the conversation around that. Because like yeah. all of Jordan Peele's movies, this, this is Easter Egg City, right? Like everything basically means something. That's kind of like that's kind of the trend that we're seeing with a lot of Jordan Peele's work and for for good reason because it's fun it's a fun thing to kind of just go through and like look at all the different things that are provided in this movie and why they're there like i was doing some research on this movie and one of the things i saw which was interesting that i missed was even like with the candied apple thing and the symbolism there of apples a lot of times can symbolize um the tainting of knowledge you know going back to like the bible the the bible stuff of adam and eve and the apple and like what that means and like she in that scene she's got this apple that's kind of signifying her learning about this shadow world right as she's about to ultimately get swapped places with it's kind of like this loss of innocence with the apple and i was like oh snap that's really cool like that, that's a cool mm-hmm. little thing that i didn't catch on the first time through but it makes a lot of sense that she would have yeah. that there yeah, well, and speaking of the Bible, we have this guy who, this, like, homeless man who is actually at the c- carnival. He's, like, on the boardwalk when she's a child, um, and then we see him again later. He's one of the first people to be killed. Oh, yeah, with the, with, the, with the Bible verse? Yeah, because yeah, he, he was the first one to start the chain, right? Yes, yes, he was. He is like, yeah, he's the first person that they see just standing out on the beach with his arms stretched. And yeah, it's the same It's the same guy. And Addie knows it's the same guy because she sees his sign, which says Jeremiah 1111. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I look that up and that Bible verse is, uh, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. So yeah, it's like, yep. <laughs> that, evil, that checks evil out. Was, yep, evil was brought upon them and uh n- barely anyone escaped. Like <laughs> it, yeah, so it's like, you know, he's almost like this warn he's like this harbinger. He has this warning that we see at the very beginning, but he's also one of the first people who is taken out like Oh, basically right away once all of this starts. So I thought, you know, I thought that was a cool little little thing because obviously unless you like know the Bible very well, you're probably going to look that up. Yeah. Because you see that and you're like, yep, that has to – that has Yeah, to like anytime you see that in the movie, you're always like, well, shit, I got to look that up. Yeah, um, <laughs> I got to look that verse up. But even with that, even with that Easter egg too of like – so for one, the fact that that verse fits so well with the movie is like one layer of it, right? And then we have the going back to this whole duality conversation about even just the structure of the verse, right? Eleven, eleven. Like we get that eleven on both sides. We get that little symmetry just with the imagery of it. 
And Mm -hmm. then even breaking it down further, we get the notion of 11 in itself as like this dual number of the one, one, because we get, we get 11s throughout this movie a ton. If you look out for them, like the, the shirt that she wants, uh, the thriller shirt, it's, it's, number 11 like the verse is number 11 like like all the all the one ones are showing like there is another side to everything yeah there's like a there's there's a game gabe is watching like a sports game on TV oh yeah and, they and it's say, like, like we're tied 11 11 yeah mm-hmm. um and then and, right and, before oh go ahead no, no no go go for it go for it oh i was just gonna say and then right before the attack happens uh, she Jason points out that it's eleven eleven on the clock. Yeah, and it kind of freaks her out. Yeah, because she's seeing, and she says it too, that she's seeing a lot of these coincidences all happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of cool because outside of the eleven eleven, there are other stuff. Like there's a scene where she's sitting, I think, in the living room by herself, and she looks at like a spider toy. And then another, an actual spider, like, walks past that one as just, like, a, it just happens to go through. And mm-hmm. which is funny because it mirrors this whole idea of, well, while the original Addie was lost and wandering, she kind of whistles the Itsy Bitsy Spider song. It's kind of, mm-hmm. it seems like that's, like, her coping mechanism. And yeah. it, it's, like, this fun kind of little foreshadowing of, like, the... Like she sees the spider, and I feel like that kind of triggers her to remember that moment. Because now, like when you're watching the second time through, you know that she remembers. Like she has to remember what she did. Like oh she, yeah. Like she's living this lie for the the entirety of her life. She doesn't really care, but she's aware of the thing that she did. And I think these little things are what's such a spooker because it's kind of like, shit, is that thing I did coming back to haunt me now? Like, is this, Mm -hmm. did I really not get away with it? Yeah, because she's ready to leave as soon as she starts seeing that. And I think, and that's also another reason we find out why she's so afraid of the beach Mm -hmm. is because she knows that especially that beach. Like that's the entrance. Yeah, it's right there. And she wants to avoid it as much as possible and there's a point where you know jason wanders off and she freaks out and you know come to find out yeah like the entrance is right there and she knows that like yeah she she been new so it all makes more sense of why she was so hesitant to go because she really does not she's like fighting against it um and also too I want to talk about how cool it is. Like we get a lot of um so when the the tethered rise up mm-hmm. like everything that they do and all the imagery they have everything is all the things that Addy remember or, or I'm sorry that Red remembers from being a little girl like very, right at the beginning of the movie we see that they're doing hands across America. Mhm on tv yeah and that's exactly what the tether do when they rise up they all you know hold hands and they do the hands across america thing mm-hmm. and they even say on the tv they say like we're gonna tether together to like you know spread awareness or whatever so that's they end up being the tethered and like 
they have the one they have the one glove on for Michael Jackson. For Michael Jackson, yeah. yeah. Like a lot a lot of the a lot of the costuming and kind of like uniforming of the tether came from Michael Jackson because that's all the young Addie really knew at the time. Like that was Mm -hmm. like, she had the Michael Jackson, like we knew that she was a fan of Michael Jackson and thriller due to just the time period and like the pieces of information that were given. So it makes a lot of sense that her vengeance plot would incorporate the things that she knew from the real world. Um, because she didn't get to experience it. Like she was also just a little girl. So she didn't get to experience the world. Like she had a very limited knowledge of life above ground at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so sad. Yeah, because it's like just these little bits and pieces that she, you know, remembers from that night. She, yeah, like uses that as her plan, like her jumping off point for her plan. Yeah, and I thought that was really cool how you know that all ties together, and they do end up doing this like hands across America sort of <laughs> sort of thing <laughs> but it's like completely public demonstration people. yeah yeah, yeah. Like, he's like what is this, some public public art or i don't i can't remember what he's it's said. like some fucked up performance art i think yeah, is what he called it fucked up performance art yeah <laughs> well all right so like the hands across america thing my first time through i didn't like it didn't ring as much as it did the second time through um it kind of felt like this it felt like this plot point that was added to the movie but i didn't really understand why it was there like i i it 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 always kind of like bugged me because i'm like okay what's the deal with this with this hands across america the second time through it made more sense because i then noticed that okay it was something that she that was one of the last memories like we talked about um, mm-hmm. but I think the, the deep, there, there could be a deeper symbolism there with that because, so looking at the actual hands across America that happened, um, back in, let's say 1986, uh, mm-hmm. um, so it, it, they tried to do this thing for real and clearly they didn't actually have everybody all across America hold hands, but the demonstration did happen, right? And mm-hmm. it was the the idea was to raise money and awareness for homelessness and poverty, and to try and provide that for people, um, to provide aid through this big full nation demonstration. And they ultimately raised thirty four million dollars um, for this whole thing. But there's an interesting dynamic split there because out of that $34 million, right, only $15 million of it actually went to charities for homelessness, mm-hmm. while the other $19 million went to actually paying for the campaign. So it was one of those weird, like, yeah, you, you raised money for charity, but, like, most of the money actually went towards the the people that don't really need it you know like right it's like the people who ended up coming up with this idea seem to profit more than the people who were actually getting the charity right so Mm -hmm. it so the whole idea like although it did work like they did raise money for charity the idea wasn't fully there whereas the us version of it has them kind of rising up against the upper class who would be the people that you know profited from this charity back 
back in the 80s. Um, instead, it's them now rising up against them, and they actually seem to do the hands across. Like, they complete what they go out to do. They set mm-hmm. this plan up, they, they execute this plan, and we get this imagery at the end of them through the mountainside, through the ocean, through they are they are tethered and holding hands throughout the whole thing. So it's like showing, you know, it's showing this like evil version of what America tried to do. And kind of like, again, the duality of that, of like, a lot of times I feel like when it comes to like government aid and things, like you always have to look at the full scope of things and not just what you're presented in media. Because I'm sure no one really tried to publicize how much money Hands Across America actually made for non-charity. Like, I'm sure that that was some information you had to dig up to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like this idea that, you know, oh, look at us. We're fighting against poverty and homelessness. But on the day-to-day, most people don't give a shit. You know, like, yeah. most people aren't going to care. Yeah. And then there's these random things where it's like, well, we're all going to do this. And for 15 minutes, we're all going to hold hands and like, ooh, isn't that so nice? Like, yeah. look how much we care. When on most days you turn a blind eye to those things because it just doesn't affect you. You know, it's not something that you think about until these things happen. Yeah, you show up and for then, the yeah. big demonstrations, but like right. for the day to day, you're not really out there putting in the legwork for this stuff. Yeah, it's like, but what are you really doing? And then, yeah, and then we get these characters of the tethered who are basically rats in the tunnels mm-hmm. that nobody, you know, most people don't know about, but the government didn't even care enough to do anything with them. They yeah. just abandoned them and we're like, okay, whatever, bye. And yeah, it's like we all, they also turned a blind eye to these people who are just, you know, basically nothing to society. Yeah. And now they're rising up and, you know, turning this thing into something that they can use to, you know, benefit them, you know, in, in the regard that they no longer have to follow they no longer have to do what someone else wants them to do. They're kind of now free to do whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was, I mean, it's just such a good image of, especially cause they're all wearing red mm-hmm. and like that final shot of them just like spraying. And red's a very, across. red's a very American color, right? Red, like, yeah. Like red, white, and blue is everything like everything America has that color scheme but like i think a red the just the brightness and and the vibrance of red has always been just a big you know part of like the the american kind of sensibility like it's a very important color um mm-hmm. and and that's one of the bigger picture conversations i think about this movie in terms of like what is the like what's the battle here because i know a lot of people probably get caught up on the idea that like a this is this is like a a race related movie right like we have a black family dealing with all this stuff right and we have all these american motifs and all this stuff and then like there's a part way through the movie when um red is giving her initial monologue and um they ask like who are you guys and they her response is we're american right i remember being in the theater when I heard that line 
And I definitely did an audible like, uh, okay. Cause like, this was like in, this was like in 2019. Um, you know, politically the nation's very hot right now. So like at the time for me, it felt just kind of like this kind of political plug that I was like, that it feels kind of forced. It was my initial thought. It was like that, that line didn't sit with me very well the first time I heard it. However, second time listening to it, I think that it makes a reference, and this is for me, um, but it makes a reference towards how the tethered can kind of symbolize the lower class in comparison to more upper class society, right? Where the lower class is existing, they're here, they're just as American as anyone in the upper class is, right? However, they don't get to have all the glitz and glamour and amenities that the upper class, which for the tethered are just the people living above ground, get to have. And so mm-hmm. this whole uprising is that we're the same. Like, we are the same. The only difference between us, the tethered, and you here on the surface is circumstance. That's the only thing that separates us. But as far as that, we're all we're, we're all the same. We're all Americans. And I think that line for me was more of a reference towards like the classism that this movie's trying to make commentaries of and how like I mean even the idea of the tethered in a way for me kind of rings as like a class comparison of everything we do on the surface level according to this movie, is attached to our tethered personality down below, right? But it doesn't necessarily have to be that, I don't think. The The idea can stem to just everything that we do in our normal everyday lives affects somebody else in some way, shape, or form, right? Like, when we go out and buy clothes or buy new shoes, like somebody has to, somebody has to work to make those, right? When we, when we go to the Starbucks line to go get coffee, there's somebody else on the other side that has to deal with the consequences or the, the happenings that occur when we make a choice. And I think mm-hmm. the tethered do a great job of symbolizing that and giving us a visual representation of every one of our actions and decisions has another side to it. Yeah. It's like one, it's like, like they get the scraps, like Mm -hmm. we get the hot meal that's ready out of the oven and they get like cold, whatever they can find. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, we get to go to the carnival and we get to ride on these rides because we pay, we, you know, you have to pay for that to get there and have fun. And they, can't experience like they don't have that kind of fun like they don't get to ride rides just because they want to so yeah I mean I definitely think that oh yeah I mean I definitely think that class is like a huge a huge part of this and because even not not even just with the tethered we even have this thing where like um Gabe it constantly feels like he's being one-upped by yeah the Tylers and he he gets a boat just so that he can compete with them but they have a better thing and then like he you know he wants to go to the beach because they're at the beach and he wants to tell them he got a boat it's like all of these ideals of like I oh there's always something better and like you want what other people have yeah you almost feel less than because you don't have that thing but at the same time what you have is way better than these people that are 
literally beneath, <laughs> like beneath the earth. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I definitely think that that's like a huge thing that they're, that they're touching on in this movie. Because by no means are like the will like they're very well off. They have a home that they go to, you know, a beach home what they go that they can go vacation at. Like you can tell that our main family, like they are well off. But to Gabe, that still almost isn't. It doesn't feel like it's enough. Like there's always something better. And then. But then we get these people who have nothing, you know, and they they just want to, like, have freedom. Like, that's basically all the Tether yeah. want is, like, they just want to have free will because none of them do. That's such Everything a, they do is controlled. By- yeah, that's such a good point because it's, like, that idea, too. Because, like, I grew up in, like, not a – not like low, low class, but like I didn't have all like a lot of the amenities that a lot of people around me had. Right. Especially growing up as a minority in America. And mm-hmm. one of the things is, even though I was always envious of the things that I didn't have. Right. This movie provides that idea that even though you're envious of stuff, like a lot of times that envy makes you kind of blind to what you have. Because mm-hmm. even though you're envious of this person and the things that they have, there's probably somebody who's looking at the things that you have and is like, I wish I could have that too. And you mm-hmm. get, you definitely get that in this dynamic of like the Wilsons want to impress the Tylers and have the things that the Tylers have while the tethered Wilsons just want the basic am- amenities that the actual Wilsons have that mm-hmm. they, for them or at least for Gabe, as we see in the movie, isn't enough for them. Like, they still want more. Like, they, they want to reach that higher echelon. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's a really – it's fairly – I think that it is subtly done. I don't think it's mm-hmm. so much where you're like, oh, my God, like, this is – Yeah, it's like, not It's not it's really so in, in your face. face. Yeah. No, it's not. I think it's one of those things where – it's nuanced and subtle enough that it's just like an added layer, but that's not the main thing, you know, that's being shouted in your face throughout the whole movie. So I do like that extra bit of it, but um, the last, but the last thing that I want to talk about, I just wanted to throw these out because I realized them this time watching it through mm-hmm. was like some of the subtle clues that, Addie is not like that she's different. Like that something's just kind of off with yeah. her. And so some of the things that I noticed was like when they first get to the house, there's a picture of her and she's the only person who's not looking at the camera. Like her mother and the daughter are both looking straight forward and Addie is like looking off to the side. Like not – she's the only one not looking in the camera. Really? Then, I, didn't, I did not notice mm-hmm. that one at all. And maybe I'm looking too much into these things, but it's just things that I thought. No, were. I think I definitely think that's, that's an on-purpose thing. I just straight up yeah. did not even see that one. Yeah, because it's just kind of weird because they – like she's so obviously looking off to this – like she's like very not looking at the camera while both of them are. And then later on there, when the family first gets there, they're all eating food. All three of them are eating like – fast food and then Addie's eating strawberries and she's like all the only she just has a bowl of strawberries while they're eating like a proper meal she just is like snacking on strawberries Mm -hmm. and then 
when they're in the car and they're listening to Five on it, mm-hmm. the song plays. The dad immediately is like, oh, yeah. And then even the daughter is singing along. The son doesn't know it because he's too young to know it. But Addie doesn't recognize the song. Yeah. Like, she doesn't she has no get idea. into it. Yeah, she doesn't get into it until everybody else is like, woo, like, singing along. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, yeah. Like, she starts snapping along. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like just little things like that. But wait, I even think- with that scene, hold up. Cause like yeah. you're definitely right too. And every time I got to that scene, it always bugged me because like I think I have an okay sense of rhythm. I think my rhythm's okay. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and every time she starts snapping along to that song, I'm like, she's off rhythm. Like I know she is. Yeah, I like she is she not is. she is not on the rhythm of the song. And I feel like I have made, I, I've made so many excuses for her in my brain, like from a from a movie watcher standpoint to like an actor standpoint of like, okay, maybe she just literally didn't have the song during that take, so like she couldn't actually snap along to it or something like that, or like whatever production thing. But no, nah, I think she just straight up doesn't know it. Like she just doesn't mm-hmm. know that rhythm. Yeah, I I agree because yeah, she is she snaps in a weird she snaps really fast and it's yeah, when you're listening to it you're like, mm, I don't know. Like something about it is just not quite right cuz she's trying to tell her son like snap along, find the beat and I'm like, "Girl, you find the beat." Cuz you're <laughs> yeah, all the, over the map I right now. Same <laughs> thing. I'm like, "What? What yeah. is this?" But yeah, I think it's just because, you know, she was a ballet dancer, so maybe she's fairly familiar with classical music, but I don't think she ever listened to music like that and, like, figured out that kind of a rhythm. So, yeah, it's like something is just off. Of, it's just weird. Like, she's snapping and you're and, – but it's – and it's funny because when he – when the dad is – bobbing along he's just nodding his head and he's on rhythm Mm -hmm. and she watches him nod his head and she joins him and is like nodding at the same time that he does but when she tries to snap on her own girl (laughs) the beat eluded her she was like (laughs) i'm just gonna go for it but yeah no i think that's like it's just little things like like that and even you know, even when they they flash back and we find out that the daughter, when she like hasn't been talking, and the mom and the dad take her to a therapist, and the mom is like, "I just want my little girl back because they think she's you know tr- traumatized and she's never gonna talk and be the same." Mm-hmm. But it's like, nope, she literally like she's just never gonna get her little. It's not her little yeah. girl. Just like little little things like that where you re- – and oh, oh, and also we get these moments where the first time I watched it, when the two kids that are the tethered version, when they die, Addie is like very like ups- – she's, she's not like fi- – like she's not like, oh my god. But you can tell that it's like she almost doesn't want them to die. You can tell that she feels bad. Yeah. And the first time that I watched it – I assumed it was because they looked like her kids. Mm -hmm. And so it was hard for her to see them dying or in pain. But on the second watch, it's like, no, I think she has sympathy because she was them. She was a tethered child. 
And I think that she feels sympathetic to them because she knows how that feels. Yeah. And yeah, like just things like that where you rewatch it and you're like, no, this is totally different than than what I thought. Because you can just assume that Addie is just kind of like an awkward, you know, you can assume that she went through this thing when she was a child, made her kind of an awkward adult because she even says like, I have trouble talking to people and stuff. Yeah. But then you realize, no, it's just she she she's didn't a fake. know how to do she's she's you're a phony <laughs> you're a big fat she's phony fat phony addy <laughs> that girl is straight an imposter i'm calling her out i'm ejecting her she's she's full-on imposter status the mm-hmm. and the thing is like now that's a really i, I will say this it is a really hard thing to like play throughout the entire movie and not give it away right because like there are even some sequences that for me are kind of a little bit of a stretch because like sometimes i think like even on the second watch through why does imitation addy give this information or like why does she act in a certain way and i get the idea that they they still have to preserve the integrity of the movie to not just full-on give that to the audience like halfway through to like really have them watch to get it. But Mm -hmm. I think once you do know and you watch it a second time, like you said, going through all those little subtleties throughout, throughout the entire film, all the little things, it gives you just this whole different perspective of like, all these things make sense. Now all these random little occurrences that seemed off the first time you watched actually have some, some depth and backstory to them and that it's not all just random random symbols thrown everywhere like it it means something for something and i think that that for me is what bumped my enjoyment of the film a lot because second time through i got to watch it less like a horror movie and more like a mystery and i think i had a lot of fun trying to solve this mystery that i already knew the answer to what it how many how many scissors would you give this movie out of five scissors? I just what would, is your rating? before I rate, I just want you to know that I'm so happy you said that because, like, that is exactly what I was thinking too in terms of scissors? how to rate this. Set. I was so about to recommend that we do scissors for the. Oh ra- my god! I was so thinking about that. Um, are we tethered? Are we? Are you oh my! my t- <laughs> are we tethered? <laughs> but who's the who's the OG though? Hmm. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, <laughs> um, no. All right. I, I'm, I'm going to cheat again for this episode and give two uh-huh. ratings. Um, the first rating out of five is going to be three and a half scissors. So three and just one side of the scissors for the first watch through. <laughs> okay. Of, I enjoyed the movie a lot. I may have been comparing it too much to get out on my first time through. And there were some mm-hmm. things that definitely confused me watching it a first time that made me not make it my favorite horror movie ever, but a movie that I really enjoyed. And so, like, I give it a three out of five. But second time watching, I definitely bump it up to a four where, like, I don't think it's necessarily perfect. However, I think it's really it's a really good movie. I think a lot of the symbols are justified in there for a reason. And honestly, it is just very refreshing to see representation within this genre in a genre that is very much known for not really siding with 
you know, it's people of color within its, within its ranks. So it's really awesome to not only see uh, a main cast of a lot of black and people of color on the screen, but then also to have all of them survive throughout the entire movie. And Mm -hmm. even if some of their survival was questionable, the fact that we got Mm -hmm. to see this family intact at the end, and it's uh, it's a group of people that don't normally make it to the end of horror movies, I think is really refreshing. And Mm -hmm. so like for that, that really made, gave me a soft spot for the movie. Um, But I'm a harsh critic. So, you know, four out of five. That's, that's, that's where I put it. Uh, What about you? Um, Before I give my rating, I would like to preface this with, I want everyone to know that like, when we rate this, we're rating it because like Hereditary and Deep Blue Sea for me had like the same rating. But I want (laughs) people to know that like, you know, I don't think that Deep Blue Sea is as good of a movie as Hereditary, but there are different factors that we're taking in. It's like enjoyment level, storytelling, you know, creativity, whatever. There's a lot of different things that go into these ratings. It's not just like, is it a master? Like, not everything that gets the same rating is like considered like, on the same we're level. We're not trying to be. Wise. <laughs> we're not trying to be Roger Ebert here. Yeah, like. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm no Roger, but. <laughs> I'm just throwing out some some numbers that I feel in my heart. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to preface that so that you guys get a better understanding of how I how you know things are being rated here. But that said, I yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and give this movie um, four scissors out of five as well because it's entertaining. I love the story. I love the creativity. The acting is a one. Um, and I agree. I think it's very satisfying to see a black family who is well, they're well off, they're educated, they're like, a, they're lo- everybody in the family gets along and they're kick ass. Like you want them to succeed. You're rooting for them. And I love the way that they're portrayed in this film. I think it has a really good balance of comedy and creepiness and I love all of the like the shots, the music, the subtle clues to everything that's going to be happening and all of the symbolism. I just think that so much care was put into all of that. And yeah, I think four scissors is what she de- it's what she deserves. <laughs> so <laughs> that is that is where we stand with with us then four out of five scissors snip snip (laughs) snip snip a cut cut (laughs) i would like please let me know how many um let us know how many scissors you guys would give this give this film and also let us know if there was any symbolism that you think that we may have missed or any Which, you there's know. probably a lot because like oh, there's oh, there's only yeah. so much you can cover in like mm-hmm. less than a five hour span of time with this movie right yeah so let us know what what we missed and if there's anything that we talked about that maybe you you interpreted in a different way go ahead and send us a message because i would like to discuss this movie with as many people as possible oh yeah but yeah guys let us know what you thought of the movie. Please let us know what you think of this episode. As always, um, 
leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. I believe you can review on there as well. Go ahead and follow us so that you can be notified as soon as our episodes drop every single Monday. And also follow us on our social media. We are at Homies of Horror on all social media. And let us know if there's any movies you can go ahead and message or comment on those if there's any movies that you guys want us to cover or you can shoot us an email we are homies of horror at gmail.com so feel free to shoot us a message on there as well if you guys have any recommendations or you want to talk about this movie um but as always, we will be having a new episode out uh, next Monday. But other than that, I think that is going to be it for us homies. So we hope that you guys have a great rest of your day. We will be seeing y'all next time. Till next time, homies. Bye.